Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Jesus is teaching here. And this is part, if you read uh, Mark 4 verse 1, And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was a gathering to him a great multitude, so he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. The whole multitude was sitting on the seashore by the land, and he taught them many things by parables. And he told them this parable about how the sower went out to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and ate it up. Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth. And it immediately sprang up because there is no depth to its roots. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Some fell on good ground and yielded fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Then he said, He that has an ear, let him hear. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve. So it's just not the twelve apostles that he's now anointed. These are the disciples. These are his followers. These are those who are learning, just as we are. They're hearing his word. They're, they're listening to his teachings. You know, we could say they're taking notes. And somebody said, what is this parable all about? And he said to them, unto you. Unto who? The twelve? Yes, they're included in the group. But unto you, the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Not just those in the fivefold ministry. Not just those who are pastoring megachurches. Not just those who are televangelists. To the average individual believer. Unto you. Unto you is given to know the mystery about the kingdom of God. In other words, how it works. Unto you has been given 
an ability to understand how the kingdom of God operates. It's important for you to understand how it operates so you can do the work in the kingdom of God. If you take your car and you call me up and say, Brother Bob, uh, my car is not running. Well, did you put a key in the ignition? Oh, you're supposed to do that? You see, you have to have a basic understanding of how it operates. Yes, Brother Bob, I put the key in the ignition. Did you turn it on? I turned the key, yes. Did you turn it all the way to engage the starter? Oh, I just turned it one click. Turn it all the way, darling. Oh, it's just going click, click. All right. Do the lights come on when you turn the key on? Does the car do anything at all? You see, you can identify part of the problem without even being there by leading them step by step. And you only gain that wisdom and understanding if you had to do the same thing somebody had to teach you. Just like using the example of a car. The battery keeps dying. Well, it's one of two things. It's either a bad battery or a bad alternator. What you do, you jump the car, get it started, disconnect the battery. If the car stalls, it's the alternator, not the battery. If the car continues to run, the alternator's fine, the battery is bad. But you only gain that wisdom and understanding if you have experienced that situation and somebody else has taught you how to check it and the operation of the car. All right? So here you are. Jesus just gave this parable. The disciples are sitting there. And they say, teach us about this parable in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus begins to explain to them in verse, uh, where was it? I lost my spot. Mark 4, verse 11. On to you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God works. But unto them that are outside, outside what? Outside of the kingdom of God, all these things are taught in parables. So that seeing, they're not really seeing. They can look at it, they can perceive, but they really don't see what's happening. And hearing what's being said, they don't really comprehend and understand with an operational knowledge about what they're hearing. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. In other words, they just have to take what is being taught by faith that this is the way it operates. And someone can say, well, how does that work? I don't know. I just know it does. You see... What I just explained about the car, I can understand up to a point. I am not a car mechanic, but I've had enough problems with cars over the years, and that's how most of us learn even about the kingdom of God. When we have problems and we are walked through a solution and say, wow, oh, wow, yeah, okay, that worked, such as 
over in Matthew chapter 10. Heal the sick. Cleanse the wait, wait, wait. As you go, preach that the kingdom of heaven is here. And someone says, well, how do we know that this is really the kingdom of heaven? How do we know you're not some false preacher? Well, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out the devil of doubt. Freely you receive, freely give. Mark chapter 16. These And you can quote this. These signs, the Bible says, will follow them that believe. I can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Glory to God. That's how you can know that what I'm preaching is true. Amen. So that's why they have to take it by faith. Wow, what he says makes sense. And he's healing the sick and cleansing the lepers. And he even raised this guy from the dead. Yeah, I believe it. Now they receive that by faith. And that knowledge now gives them an opportunity to learn how the kingdom of God operates. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Then he said to them, to the disciples, Jesus says to them in verse 13, you don't understand this parable? Now remember, he's not talking to the crowds. He's talking not just to the 12, but to the 100 or so disciples, the followers who are learning from him. He is their rabbi. He has taught this thing before. Otherwise, he wouldn't be upset with them. He's taught them the principles of the kingdom of God. And here he said, you don't understand this parable? If you don't get this one, boys, you're not going to get any of the other teachings about the kingdom of God. But you have to understand this one because this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is the key principle. In verse 14, I said all that. It took 20 minutes for me to get to this point. And this is where we're going to start teaching on today's lesson. Amen. The sower, the sower sows the word. Oh, yeah. Well, I've heard that one before, Brother Bob. That's nice. Many people stop right there and say, yep. The preacher sows the word. That's his job. He's a seed scatterer. Everywhere he goes, he's got to sow the seed. Yep, yep, amen. Yes, amen, Brother Bob. The preacher is the one who sows the seed. Wrong. What? What do you mean wrong? That's what I've been taught. Yes. That is what you have been taught, and you have been taught wrong. It is not the pastor's job to sow the seed. That is not the calling of the pastor. The pastor of the church protects the flock. Look at the greatest shepherd except for Jesus. And that was David. David, throughout the stories about David, David was always protecting the flock, including those men that were with him. When two of them broke through enemy lines just to get 
a canteen full of water and brought it back. David poured it out on the ground. He said, I do not want anyone doing anything that would jeopardize their life just to satisfy my natural thirst. And he poured it out as an offering to God in behalf of the two who committed their lives to him. David's whole life was about service, protecting the flock. When David was a youngster and killed Goliath, what did he tell the king? When the king said, you can't do that, you're just a kid. David said, I was protecting my father's sheep. And a lion and a bear came and attacked them and tried to drag a couple away. And I killed both of them with my bare hands and rescued the sheep. You see, he could have said, well, it's just one sheep. I'm going to let that one go because I don't want it. No, a hireling would do that. But not someone who loved the sheep. Jesus is often pictured carrying a lamb in his arms because he's protecting his sheep. A pastor is a special calling to protect a flock in a local congregation, to provide for them, to nurture them. The pastor's job is not to grow the church. It is not that pastor's job to grow the church. It has been, that responsibility has been tossed to him by irresponsible, unloving sheep. The pastor's job is to protect and nurture and help those sheep to grow and to produce fruit. What fruit can a sheep provide? The wool. What can the wool of the sheep be used for? To provide warm clothes for those that don't have a coat. And they will be so appreciative of that that they will then help and become part of that flock as well. You know, I've seen it written somewhere that you must protect the sheep you have. Now, it's okay to take the wool off their bodies because more wool will grow back. You can shear a sheep many times and provide for the needs of the church, but you can only skin a sheep one time. You understand what I'm saying? The pastor's job is to nurture and protect the flock he has been put in in charge of. It is the individual believer's job to grow the church. It is the responsibility of the people attending the church to grow the church. And how do they do that, Brother Bob? I'm glad you asked. Because it's outlined for you right here in Mark chapter 4, verse 11. Not verse 11, sorry about that. Verse 14. Mark, said Mark 11, didn't I? Mark 4, verse 14. The sower sows 
the word. Well, Brother Bob, does that just mean we witness everywhere we go? Well, that's one way of doing it. What did Jesus just tell you to do in in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8? As you go, preach. Preaching is sowing the word. And what are you supposed to preach? The kingdom of heaven's at hand. The soon return of Jesus is near. Jesus loves you. Jesus can take care of all these problems we are having right now in the United States if the church would rise up and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And invoke the word of God. The sower sows the word. Jesus is very clearly telling us right here in this verse, the word of God is a seed. Amen. Elsewhere, he gave the illustration that the kingdom of God is a seed that has been cast into the ground And it grows up and we don't know how. Night and day, day and night, it continues to grow. And first you see the blade and then the stalk and then the fruit in the stalk. And when the fruit is ripe, you harvest it. Amen. But the illustration was the kingdom of God is as a seed that is planted into the earth. Right here. The sower is the one who plants that seed. Amen. Oh, yes, amen, Brother Bob. I understand that. All right, do you really? Let me ask you this. What kind of ground are you going to plant into? If you are a sower and you're going to sow the word of God, What kind of ground are you? Oh, Brother Bob, I'm only going to plant into good ground. So you're only going to look and make sure that the seed you plant is planted into good ground. Oh, yes, amen, Brother Bob, because I want that harvest. I want a 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest. Oh, so you're only going to sow the word for selfish reasons. Oh, no, Brother Bob, I, I, I want to make sure that, that no seed is wasted and that every seed has a chance to produce that hundredfold crop for the kingdom of God. Hold your place right there in Mark chapter 4. Turn with me to Matthew, I believe it's 24. Glory to God. And let's see. I'm hoping I got that right. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is. Matthew 6. Let's go down to verse... uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Let's go to verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold and cling to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I want to stop right there for a second. Too often that word mammon is just translated as money. You cannot serve God and money. And that is true. But you can serve God with your money. So there's some confusion here. And the confusion is on that word mammon. If you look it up in uh, the concordance, Strong's Concordance, mammon, that word, is described as an Aramaic god of finance. In other words, it's a devil, and we understand that from the context of the verse. You can't serve God and the devil. But out of the entire New Testament, out of the entire Bible, this demon of mammon reigns supreme as the number one demon used by the devil to control the earth. And it encompasses pride. Pride is a general under the leading major general of mammon. Greed is another general under this leading general of mammon. All of the vices all have to do... You could be a drug addict strung out looking for your next fix. What are you going to use to get the fix? Even if you have no money, you're going to steal. And what are you going to steal? Something of value. Why are you stealing something of value? Because you need to get the money to get your fix. So even that demon that is controlling the mind and the will and the emotions and the body of a drug addict is under the general of mammon. Out of the entire New Testament, Jesus only named two demonic powers. One is Satan himself, and the other is mammon. Think about that. This demon is is so powerful and is so important, Jesus identifies it by name. Now, his listeners right there in this time setting knew who Mammon was. In today's modern society, we just think of it as money. Oh, you can't serve God and money. And that's one reason why many people avoid church because all them preachers want is your money. Oh, so it's your money. And the preachers are trying to get it. So you want to hold on to it. That's greed and pride working together in tandem with the authority that mammon has given them over your life. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Amen. Let's continue on. You can't serve God and mammon or you'll cling to one or you'll love the one and hate the other. Cling to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the demon mammon at the same time. That's why I say to you, don't worry about your life. 
Don't worry about your life. And he's not saying there, you know, just forfeit your life. Go ahead and charge into battle with no protect. No. He's saying, don't worry about your provision. Don't worry about how God's going to use this. God will use it. Amen. He said, don't take any thought for your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what, you're, what kind of clothes you're going to wear. Don't worry about that stuff. It's still relating back to mammon. Oh, you don't want to spend that money now because you know the electric bill's coming due. Oh, you don't want to waste that money buying clothes. You know the house payments do. Oh, you don't want to do this because you know the tire. You need, your car needs new tires now. So don't worry about those things. Isn't life more than meat and the body more than the clothes you wear? And now this part. Behold the fowls of the air. They do not sow. They do not reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much, worth much more than they are? Right? Notice this. Look and consider the fowls of the air, the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet, their Father our Heavenly Father feeds them. Go back over to Mark chapter 4. In verse, we'll, we'll just start at 14. The sower sows the word. These are they that the seed falls by the wayside where the word is sown. When they heard it, it says Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Okay, he's talking spiritually now to those who are hungry, but not for the word of God. But let's go at what he originally said in verse 4. There went out a, in verse 3, a sower went out to sow. And we know that the sower sows the word. And it came to pass as he sowed in verse 4, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it up. The fowls of the air. Back over in Matthew, chapter, where was I? Chapter 6 and verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air. And go down, the Father feeds them. Does the Father use anything of the devils to feed other devils? No. Does the Father use things that he can take from the devil to feed his creation? Yes. The riches of the sinners is laid up for the just. All of the silver, all of the gold, all the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. If you pray to God, Father, I need... I need a million dollars. I need a hundred million dollars. Whatever the amount. God is not going to rain dollar bills down out of heaven for you. Oh, he's such a good soldier of Christ. I will bless him now with a thousand dollars that he has requested. Rain it down, angels. Let the dollars flow from heaven. 
No, it doesn't work like that. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.